So you, so Reese, you moved to you just you moved to um, Wales in the year two thousand. Yep. Playing rugby. I did. Yeah. Which team? Or was it just I a move a, for opportunity first? Yeah. When I moved over, there wasn't a guarantee of like anything. Right. Concrete. It was just like come over and have a trial, and uh, see how you go. And it was one mm-hmm. of with Newport Youth. Right. And and you you were born and raised in South Africa, right? I was. Cape Town was it? Johannesburg. Johannesburg. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Close, what was that? What close. was that like? Oh, amazing! Because you hear so many stories about you know oh, South yeah. Africa. It's, I, you know, it's one of my real hit lists to go. I'd loved. I mean, you know, the safari and that kind of stuff is very appealing. But just the whole idea of Cape Town, Johannesburg. It, it, you know, the stories you hear it sounds like mental, but in a really good way. Yeah. So I'm interested to know what your I mean, sort of upbringing was like and what it was. You know, like yeah, it was great. I loved it. Um, like Joburg can be edgy. Know what I mean? Right. Um, Cape Town's a little more chilled, but growing up was great. You know, it was uh, like I was really outdoorsy. I loved being, you know, playing and yeah, playing sports. So it dangerous, dangerous. I mean, I was unaware of it growing right. up. You know, there was nothing. I mean, obviously, there's like there's stuff there. You know, there's electric gates and fences and okay. barbed wire and stuff on people and everyone's got walls around their houses yeah but like when you're born into it you don't really you don't, you don't really think overthink it, it. it it's, you know it's a bit like in colombia but it's weird that you you know you go to all these places and everyone says oh you know the uk or you feel like there's you get told about these safe places and all these other places are dangerous but when you go to my bit of mexico i've been to colombia i've been to lots of places where people said to me oh, you know you got to be careful and, and yeah. i felt absolutely fine there yeah. and i suppose I, if you don't sort of meddle in with like the organized crime then you're not really going to be involved with any of the sort of high profile crime do you know what i mean yeah. so it's with, with london i think it's always the random person that yeah. gets affected yeah. from some sort of crime so that's why i suppose you know we, we might feel more at fear here than we yeah. do somewhere as dangerous as mexico for example so uh yeah it can be the um, I, I hear all these strange stories in jobo where you know you're you're pulling up to the traffic lights <laughs> and you know you've got to lock your doors yeah. Wearing, not wearing oh, really? jewelry, yeah, because like people will like literally take you at like yeah. knife point, gunpoint. I mean, they do that in London now. Rob you, yeah, know, they do so that in London. Yeah, I know, but yeah. well, it's I suppose it's, it's more it's of just a people. Thing, it's like, just opportunists, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's just like people, um, they will see an opportunity. They'll see if someone's vulnerable or they're not paying attention, right? Or there's an easy, you know, they've got a laptop on a seat, or you know, your iPhone's on the, you know, in a holder on the yeah. Phone. Yeah. And your windscreen, obviously, then no one does that. But I'm just giving you the, mm-hmm. an example. Yeah. And before you can like blink an eyelid, that you know your window smashed, it's gone. Or, I mean, yeah, obviously there is there, those things do happen. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I I can only speak about my experience. Mm. Um, like I've been I've been blessed or I've been lucky. You know, I've had a couple, my you know my house got robbed. Um, my mum was in it, and that was fortunately nothing went bad. So uh, other than that, we've been we've been pretty lucky. Obviously, there are bad stories, no yeah. no doubt. But I'm sure there's bad stories everywhere, right? Of course. And were you playing rugby in South, South Africa as well? Yeah. No, I went. I only started. I was I was a late comer to the game. Right. Yeah. When you say late, how old were you? Um, thirteen, turning fourteen. Right. Okay. So um, yeah, I played. Like I said, I was into my other sports. Love cricket. Yeah. Swimming. 
uh, soccer, football, as they you know yeah. they call it soccer mm-hmm. over there. <laughs> Scary so, me when you say yeah. soccer. When I, when anyone says soccer, I'm just like, oh, I, know. I know. No, but it's a football. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, my daughter's yeah. from America, and she always says, "No, daddy, I like playing soccer." I was like, "No, it's football, babe." Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you you use your feet, so it's a football. The, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm similar. I, I was very sporty growing up. I loved tennis and cricket, and and I actually had trials for Wales for cricket, which is so random. And I loved you know football and, but do you know what rugby was the only sport I played it a little bit yeah you're and Welsh it, so you, yeah it, but I know yeah but I, did, I didn't it was it I, I actually would stand by this rugby is the only sport which I look at and I just go oh, god like you know I I train and I box now and that's you know it's getting hit in the face but rugby is one of those it's sports brutal. where you just look at it and you just go that is yeah. the, the the brutal side of like combat sports it's 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 pretty like it's like I mean it's not even a, I don't even know if it's dubbed a combat sport but it, it's it's one of those sports I just go, do you know what? I'm happy to not go near it. Yeah. And I don't know how you, you know, the idea of just running and smashing, in, it's just Without crazy. Without any protection as well. Like you yeah. compare yourselves to American football, but you, I know, you, you but guys no. are just like, you know, hammering yourselves at so each what, other. Like yeah. what, what is it? What, what was the attraction for rugby? What was the... I don't know. It's just like, obviously when I was growing up, South Africa won the World Cup in 95. Ah, okay. So like, I hadn't played, like I hadn't picked the ball up at that point right. like I was all cricket you know love for like football swimming like I said and then when I actually went to high school then is when they offered it yeah and I was like and we just won the world cup you and know, did you realise like, you were just good at it or something the world cup so I was like yeah right yeah, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> why not let's, let's get stuck in but did you did you did you realise you were quite good at it quite quickly or did it like no 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 I, I wasn't great at all I mean right. yeah I didn't really like tackling wow um, I was quite slow when I started I was a bit of a car toss and you ended up being a professional rope player. <laughs> yeah. So, That's like, crazy. obviously, yeah. I mean, I remember, like, because with the Afrikaans and the English, the Afrikaans boys, <clears throat> they seem to, like, grow real, they get, like... There's something in the water, like, yeah, those dude, boys, they are, yeah. they are fully grown by, like, 14, 15. Wow. So they're monsters. So, like, oh, those yeah. first couple of years at school, we would play the Afrikaans schools, and they would just put 40, 50, 60 points on us. But then wow. as you start to grow by, like, 15, 16... Stuff you catch up, up. Yeah. and then like the score starts coming down, you know, okay. like 20 points, 10 points. And then by your last year in school, when everyone's more or less leveled off, you know, the, it's a game. And like most of them, we turned them around, you know, by the by 18, we were wow, beating them. Wow. It's, so, it's nice to hear that transition, actually. It's, yeah, it's so it's like, it's like a little progression. Yeah, because you could mark the progression against yeah. the Afrikaans schools, you know, because yeah. they were just absolute mutants. Mate, I, I, you know, I, I'm saving the audience for your story because it, it, it's incredible. Yeah. And I'm going to touch on it in a bit because, yeah, just keep watching everyone because this, this guy's got an incredible story. But um, you, let, let's go back a little bit. So you went to, you, you came to Wales yeah. from the pl- same place as me, which is great now. You yeah. live there in Newport. Newport. In Newport. Shout out to Newport. Zooport. <laughs> Zoo- is that what you call it? Zooport. <laughs> it is Zooport. Whenever someone ends up there that's not from there, I always like, how are you? I'm so interested in how people yeah. end up there. Oh, no. It's normally like yeah. you know, relationship or work or whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, Wales in general is known for being, you know, pretty tough with a rugby. Yeah. So that must have been a different experience. And what, like, I, I want to get to your really, really flipping unbelievable story, but take us through a little run, run through of your rugby career, how you became professional, where you played and all that kind of stuff. Because there's, 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 there's an exciting element to that as well. Yeah. Where you would have played everywhere. And Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, I came over as a young boy, 18, like super excited for the challenge ahead. 
Um, but I was, you know, I, I loved the social side of the game and I, you know, I was a, come from a real social family, like a bit of a party boy. Okay. So those first six months in, first six months in Newport were just like, they were amazing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I had a lot of partying, new group, friendship group. Um, and then Fights I, every week. After six months. I'm I was, scrap, I, was more, I, yeah, I was more a lover than a fighter, mate. Right. I mean, obviously you can't avoid getting in scraps. Yeah, like, you just see every week. It yeah. just happens. But, uh, you know, those early days, they were good. And um, got selected for Wales 19s after six months. And then it was Wales 21s, first pro contract. And then, wow. You know, I, 2006 was my first Welsh tour when I got capped. So, like, from 14... I got capped at 24, so like 10 years from okay. when I started rugby to wow. my international cap. And then where did you go? Where did you play? Like wh wh which countries and stuff? Or uh, did no, you? it was literally just, I played SA up yeah. until um, I was 18. I got picked in like South Africa. That got like a school. They do a big tournament there. And then you get selected for like SA schools, but there's a, there's two teams. There's an academy team and a like A team and B team. B team right. yeah. I was in like the B team. Right. Um but, you know, at that point, I thought, you know, because I ha had a British passport, my dad was Welsh, I thought, I'll give it a go in Wales. And there was a thing called the quota system that wasn't sitting with me well at that point, because okay. I, I was uh, affected by it early on. And I just thought, you know what, like, just go and give it a crack there, see what happened. And that's what I did. And, Were you uh, still like playing that. professionally and, and partying as well or not? Or was it, oh, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you, you know, you hear stories from back in the day where, Boxers and football players, they would they would go out, have a fight, and then drink the next day, or or, or you know they'd have a. I heard about Ricky Hatton having a big, massive cook breakfast before a fight. Like that that time seems to have not disappeared, but changed now. Where every you know, if you're gonna go go at something in sport, you've got to be healthy. You can't yeah. drink, you know, you can't smoke, you can't go out and have fun. But I, I imagine you coming to Newport. You know, it's part a, of, uh, <laughs> of the, you know, being in that kind of environment. environment yeah. Yeah. You're with lads. I mean, I can just, before you go into answering <laughs> Matt's question, um, I just relate to how we were in Winchester, right? We were playing for, we were playing football. Yeah. And we would just go out with the rugby boys. Yeah. And there was absolutely no way w where we could compete with how they could drink, how they could just get just, on it. Yeah. They were just rowdy. They were just boisterous. And it yeah. was just like, Fuck me, these boys can fucking drink. <laughs> they, they were just in and a different like, league. Well, yeah, it's a different level. So I can only imagine like yeah. some of the stories that you could tell that just, you know, are yeah. unbelievable. They were wild, you know, because I always think rugby and military boys are quite similar sure. in the way that they drink. Sure. You know? And um, so like for me, the, yeah, when I came into the game, it was kind of on the precipice of, it was already pro, but it hadn't been like pro pro. Mm -hmm. So there were still a lot of players hanging about that had come through the amateur era. Okay. So like those early years when we was coming in the squad, it was still like, um, you know, we we play, but then we go out. Like it was, there was like not work, even work hard, play no hard. Question. Yeah, okay. it was it, it was without fail every game, you know. Right. It, okay, we've played, we've trained all week. But now nah, let's go get pissed. And if you got, if you got, give us one mad story where you're just like, look. You know, if you can, <laughs> this is what happened. This is how much we drank. We went till you know, a couple of days, you know, four a.m. or a couple of days later, whatever. You must have one. You must have one story that sticks uh, in your mind. I'll, I'll give you one. I mean, I don't like to normally talk about these things because they were chaotic and they caused stress to my family. But I mean, there is one that is, I suppose, it is slightly funny. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, I was. We were on tour in Italy, like with the club, with the Dragons. In like, what would you call your European? 
like window. Sure. We're playing against yeah. French, Italian teams, whatever. And we went um, to Treviso, which is just outside of Venice. And because um, it was back-to-back fixture, so against the same team, it's quite like a cool little thing they do in the comp. And we knew that we had, uh, if we beat them away and then we beat them back in Newport, we had a chance to go into the quarterfinals. And we beat them away, like great win, unexpected. Uh, and then that night, our coach came in and he was like, right, boys, no one's going out tonight. Um, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> right. good one, brother. Yeah, yeah. Like, nice we one. just won. Right? And then, yeah, so me, we waited till like everyone went to bed and then me and my mate jumped. We walked literally outside the hotel, waved a cab down and just went, discotheque? <laughs> Took us to the nearest discotheque, which was pretty bizarre because they didn't take cash. It was just a card system where they stamped your card right. after every drink, which I thought was okay, the most strange. amazing thing ever. Um, so basically, just free. got completely broken, both of us actually. And then I, it was a very complicated scenario. What happened by the door? A phone was stolen, and um, it was on me. And then we got like pinched by the cops. But then my mate headbutted head the copper, the Italian copper. Oh, no. Things went south real quick. We got, you know, the batons came out. There's little, like, sticks on the hips and then... Yeah. Crrr. Yeah. And, oh, we got handcuffed and, oh, man, it was brutal. And then we just thought, oh, it's like, you know, this has happened before. I've been, you know, locked up and taken to, you know, a holding cell and let go in the morning. Yeah, for the next day. We play yeah. rugby. We always get off, you know, like... Just sober up. Nothing yeah. happens. Yeah, like, yeah. they let us go in the morning. Our flight's in the morning. And they were like, you guys aren't going anyway. And we were like, yeah, good one. And they were like, no, I'm serious. you got to go to court. Dude, oh. and we had to get transferred from the holding cell to an Italian jail. The whole thing, suits, fingerprints, wow. naked search. Oh, my God. Um, and we got put in cells, split up from each other. Like, there was triple bunk beds, That's six just, people like, in a war, in a cell, a long drop. They just, they and just I just thought, oh, up. my God, I'm going to have to scrap in here now because they're going to they're gonna want to, you know, try and – do something to me. Yeah, yeah. So I remember that the guy, we had got given a, a mattress with a sheet, a tin cup, and a tin bowl. And I remember just crying the whole way down the, the corridor, just like, <laughs> and I was going like, can I have my phone call? And they were like, you're not in America. Oh. <laughs> and I was just like, oh. it's always the go-to in it. If you're in a foreign thing, they're like, no, you ain't in America now. Yeah, I don't know why they say that, but it's like, wow. you hear that quite a lot. Like, so, you're, yeah. So that was, mate, that was, that was probably one of the worst ones, you yeah. know, because I was there, we were in there for like three, three nights, two or two nights. And then when I, the fines we had to pay, the fine I had from the club when we got home, like right. the distress, yeah. you the distress on the family, like, dude, it was bad. Right. And obviously I was playing for Wales at the time. So it was in the press and although like I didn't head back the copper and all that, but but they in the press it made it was meaty they said oh I did that they right. picked it up and I did all oh, this other see, stuff so right. then when I came home I didn't have time to like say oh, this wasn't me or yeah. they're not going to post an apology in the paper yeah so like that was you know that was that I mean they're treating you like like you're criminals really like putting you in the cell for three days and oh, then you're having to go through the suit and actual oh, you know, legalities of yeah. it <laughs> and I couldn't speak and I was getting my like charge sheet out of my pocket and showing the the prison the because none of them spoke English right a calendar on the wall with X's, like I'm not joking. I like the old cliche. Oh shit! Like they're counting. And the I days. was like showing these guys, like, and they're reading my charge sheet, and they were going, "Oh, Thomas Rice, Thomas Rice, this you." And I was like, "That's me." Yeah. I said, mm. <laughs> and they went to the calendar, and then they were going because this was the beginning of December, and I they flipped the calendar, and they were going, "Festival December." No. And I just remember like climbing up these bunk beds to the top, and I just 
blanket wow. over the head, crying, man. Oh, oh man. But, uh, yeah, no, it was crazy. What, what did your coach say? I played the next week. Pissed. <laughs> Still playing next week. Play the next. Oh, that's okay. amazing. <laughs> well done, man. Um, Give yourself out. Yeah. Reese, let, let's um, let's get on to like your 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 story, man. The the big part of your story. I say the big part of your story. I suppose it's the most important part of your story in terms of your life now and how you yeah. how you operate. I, I, you run us through it. T- tell us, like you know, tell us what happened and and you know from the from the moment of when you mentioned about the gym. Like talk us through it and tell yeah tell us tell us what's going on like with your yeah. with your with your life and your side your story. Yeah, so basically, I was everything you know. My career was getting to a point where it was coming back uh, to to almost flourishing. Mm-hmm. I pre-contractually agreed to move to France. Uh, I was twenty nine. I agreed a three year contract with Biarritz, like good money. Then I was just in the gym doing an interval session on a bike and like bang cardio interval yeah, yeah just doing yeah. an interval session on a bike sat next to a good friend chatting away and then mm. boom huge huge heart attack got rushed to hospital um the nearest one to where from Nanetli, which is swansea to the morrison yeah and they took me into theater Straight, I was awake still, you know, like I was having, I was in a lot of pain. What was that like, to, if you can describe yeah, that feeling? Say, did, what, you, what, did you face that you feeling? Um, yeah, that's no. like, you know, that's just, that's just something you never, it's like almost like dying, you know, you just yeah. never think of, you, you just can't fathom what that would be like. And for your heart to just, I think the science of it is, you know, your heart stops essentially, right? Is that, is yeah. that the science um, of it? Well, mind, it? the mind, it, if you get a really big one, yeah. obviously, yeah, it will, yeah. you're going to, you know, obviously, that's huge cardiac, heart failure, cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest, yeah. Um, but mine, I'd, I'd had a small heart attack in 2007. Oh, so you had one before? So, yeah. And in that one, they just said it was a spontaneous dissection of an artery, which basically meant that I was under stress from the game or right. but it, I had a big impact to the chest, which caused a split in my artery. And oh, then wow. that, that clotted in my heart. Was that clotting other areas of your heart or yeah, just that it, one? Where it split. Where it split, okay. That then went downstream and then clotted in oh, my so heart. That could have built, so that in could have built up. Yeah, in 2007 yeah. when that happened, like that that pain, I, I thought I was gonna. Because I, I couldn't breathe. I was ripping my shirt off. I was vomiting. My hand was like Spider-Man. I like cramped right up. Wow. And I felt like someone was just sitting on my chest. I could not breathe. I thought I'm gone. Like I am gone. And... Um, I went, by the time I got to the hospital, the pain had subsided. I still had this niggling pain in the chest, but then they just did this uh, thing called an angiogram where they put a, they just, you're awake, they put a bit of local anesthetic in the yeah. wrist. Mm-hmm. Tube it up. Put, put a catheter in there and then they put this wire yeah. and feel it go across. It's literally an x-ray machine above your heart. And then there's a screen on your left, like a, te- like a TV screen. And when you look, they inject this dye and then you can see your heart like on the screen beating. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, whoa. And I'm, obviously I'm awake. So I'm looking at the doctor. I'm like, I'm okay. Everything good? And he, that time he cleared the clot. Right. And then he said, right, that was, we've cleared that. Now we'll get to the bottom of it. And at that point I was just like, am I going to be able to play again? And he yeah. said, like, we're not talking about that now. But it was an emotional. Yeah, it was something it was, bigger than yeah. just your, your playing career. Absolutely. <laughs> it's your life. Yeah. yeah. So it was an emotional roller coaster. But after six months, they said, yeah, you can go back to playing. Right. They just said, I may have had a reaction from the caffeine. It may have mm. been a big impact. They weren't sure, basically. Mm. Um, so from there, I went back to rugby. I'd just been capped. There was no way I was going to stop. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I carried on. And then 2012, boom, 
Yeah. And did it feel the same thing again? So, oh, yeah, I was on the bike. The pain hit. I literally had three minutes left in my 45-minute session. <laughs> so, so that was the gutty part, right? Yeah, you just said to yourself, fuck, I didn't finish my set. Like, yeah. Like, three minutes yeah, left, three mate. minutes to go. And yeah, I was just super dizzy. Oh, like, mega, like maximum dizzy. You know, like even struggled to walk. Um, pain in the chest. I instantly knew I was having a heart attack again. So I just thought, like, just get across the gym. It was a quite long gym. It's about 20, 30 meters. Stumbling across. God. Um, got over to like our physio was at the end of the gym so I went in the gym and I was just like Pat I think I'm having a heart attack and he literally just rung, rung the, the uh, ambulance and then I just went down the corridor because you know what it's like you don't want the boys to see you because mm. I, I just wanted to get away from the gym door where they all were and I like but I collapsed and like I felt like I needed an asthma pump because I couldn't breathe right so like, I was taking the, the Ventolin but it wasn't know, helping. No. Yeah, that was not going. And anywhere. then, thank you know, thankfully, someone come down from the offices upstairs and gave me a big, like a five hundred milligram of aspirin or something, which probably helped me. Yeah. Uh, then the ambulance were quick, which was also helpful, and got straight to theatre. Same thing again, angiogram. But then this time, when I was on the slab, like I was asking him about, is the career? Like, am I going to be okay? Like, will I? You know, will you just clear the clot again, and I'll be on my way? But they weren't speaking, and then. Like my pain was getting much, much worse. I started to feel sick, and the nurses were running around the theater, and then they they just said, "Dude, we got to take you for a bypass." And I was I had no idea what a bypass surgery was. So what? Yeah, what is a bypass surgery in a, in a nutshell? So in a nutshell, basically, you have a clot in one of your arteries in your heart, and then what they do is they take a vein from your leg, and they will um, flush it, and wow. then they will stitch it. From one artery to the other, oh, bypassing the other. bypassing oh, the clot. I see, right. Wow! Okay. So then, you know, it's it's amazing surgery. That's, a, that's, that's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. But yeah. obviously, it's a vein doing an artery's job. Job, yeah. yeah. So, it's, so not, it's not long, long, long term. Long term, yeah. But but it's very effective. But I needed a quadruple bypass, you know. And when I woke up, I was I was I was not well. I was proper ill. I was really sick. <clears throat> and um, but I was so out of it, you know. The coming off the the general anaesthetic, didn't know what was happening. So that whole first week, you know, I didn't sleep. I was having these. I couldn't. I, every time I shut my eyes, I'd have like this. <gasps> I, I was having panic attacks. Yeah. But I just from no, up. they were just yeah. from nowhere. You know, yeah. like I didn't. I neither knew. I didn't know what they were. And um, but then eventually, like when it started to dawn upon me that you know my career was finished, because I couldn't even walk to the toilet, mate. It would take me yeah. like. Wow. Three or four stops and I'd be like <sighs> so out of breath. So it was hard, bro. You know, it was proper hard because I was gutted. Yeah. I was so gutted. I was devastated. I lost mm. my career. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing was I felt like I was to blame. I had so much stress and stuff that I had done mm. um, that had come to that point. Now, that wasn't the case. You know, When they actually opened me up, they found that I had thin artery walls on the left side of my heart. Um, they say which they said caused? they may have been from birth. Oh, okay. They weren't right, sure. Sorry. But they said, obviously, the stress, mental, emotional, physical, plus all the contact and the toll of playing pro rugby. It's crazy, the power of stress. I mean, look, you know, you're, oh, yeah. you're a healthy 29-year-old playing rugby, playing sport, moving your body every day. But if your brain is experiencing stress, Bro. It, it, it takes over everything. But then, like you, you can be the healthiest person in the world. Yeah. And if, if you're stressed or there's problems in your life, oh, family, it's just got, it's, it just takes over everything. It just oh. shows the power of it. 
even if you're everything else is working 100 percent, bro and where are you like t- tell us like maybe maybe if you don't mind showing like mm. what where are you at now because you're you, you've got like yeah basically i don't want to say I'm yeah. just, we're, la- we're smiling ba- but you, battery powered you've light. basically got like, yeah you've basically got batteries half man half here. machine right? yeah. yeah literally um like, can, you, can, you, can, you show? can you show can you show can you show the terminator or? yeah so um <laughs> just yeah, stand up and... i've literally got a, a, this little fanny pack and uh, this wire comes out of my stomach and then in this bag is um like a set of batteries wow so they they literally just lithium batteries oh my god and um, they last eight hours a set. They look like that. So and that, you'll that, hear that one beep. battery lasts eight hours. Yeah, don't beep. worry, do it. Wow. <laughs> so that, like when it beeps like that, you have 15 minutes to change them. And if you don't have a spare set fresh nearby, yeah. the machine will stop. And your, what? And your heart will stop and then you can die. So like, what is oh the machine doing? What is that? What is those batteries doing? Yeah. That? So that wire that comes out of my abdomen, that then leads to a pump. So when I had my heart attack in 2012, it was a huge heart. I, I should have died. I was so lucky to survive. If I wasn't in the shape I was in, the doctor said I was a goner. Wow. So, but that meant that I was in real bad health because I only had um, less, just less than 50% of my organ was actually functioning. So th- my health deteriorated badly over those next two years, yeah. between 2012 and 2014. But also like not only my, my physical health, but like my mental health was shot to bits because yeah. loss of career, loss of identity, Movement. loss of purpose. I couldn't go for a, you know, I couldn't go for a run. I couldn't go on a bike. I couldn't even walk up a set of stairs without stopping three or four times, mate. It was, so you can imagine, right? Yeah. Up here. Yeah. Just absolute, firing in, yeah. Like, and you know what it's like when you're in your worst state of mental health, it's like projection to the future. Mm. And I couldn't see a positive future. And in the past, it was just so much guilt, shame, and remorse. And all of a sudden, I just came locked in here. And um, it was, mate, it was so hard. It's, I mean, it's upsetting why you blamed yourself, though, because it's yeah. like, it, it's, and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of natural to do that, right? Because you're on your own. You've, you've just like, you know, you've, you're yeah. just, who else are you going to blame? You're going to try and blame yourself. But obviously, it's not, you can't blame yeah. yourself. And, well, and the way you get out of things yeah. like that is you, you've got to go, well, wait there. You've got to snap out of it. You've got to yeah. think of it. You know, we spoke about this on the phone when we spoke yeah. last week about the positivities of life, being able to wake up, breathe, see people, you know, see friends, see family, mm. eat, you know, all those little things that mean things yeah. now, more probably more than ever to you in that sense. It was, but I had, you know, the, the mad thing is I had that. Right. Because even then up to 2014, with, in 2013, the, the doctor said, listen, I had a, um, a transplant assessment because my health was so bad. Like I couldn't breathe. Mm. And I just said to Don, like, this can't, this can't continue. And they said, no, you actually need to trans- transplant assessments. They sent me up to Birmingham to the Queen Elizabeth. And they did one. They said, you need a, you need a heart attack, uh, heart transplant straight away. Right. But then they did this test and they saw that I actually was untransplantable because I had a, a pressure that was too high between my lungs and my heart. It's called pulmonary hypertension. Okay. And that, so, would, that would have been to replace your yeah, heart. So like, I, obviously I drove my parents. They had flown from South Africa to Shit. Wales because I was going, I needed an urgent, like they said, you need one now. So I went straight onto the most urgent list. I called my folks. They flew over. And uh, were they trying to find a heart that matched yours? Yeah, so I was literally waiting in the hospital. And then yeah. the last test I needed to do was this, it's called a right heart catheter. So they go through your jugular and your neck. You're also awake, oh. local anesthetic. And they go straight in your heart and they take pinches of the pressure. Now you're awake and you're looking on the screen. And you can see all this. The worst thing is that that with this one, even though it's local, they're shoving the catheter down your neck and you can feel the pressure while they're pushing down. 
oh, it's man, something else. You're making bro. me like. No, dude, I the yeah. first few you have, you just like I, your blood pressure drops. You feel queasy. You want to buff. Yeah. Even when you're used to them, they're not nice, mate. Do you know what I mean? It's like a catch twenty two because you're. The doctors are saying that you know you're in you know great condition in yeah. terms of like your health and fitness yeah, where exactly. you're in a professional rugby career, and then they also said at the same time because of the impact of rugby and everything that you put your body through in terms of that contact sport led to this uh, as well. So yeah. it's 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 fascinating to understand how someone can survive something like that yeah. and and twice. Yeah. <laughs> not, not well, it's it is a miracle you survived. It, it is. It is. Yeah. And then, like, obviously, the, the and you look that, great, mate. Today, if I'm honest, like, you know, <laughs> the reason why I wanted to go through the story halfway through because people would have been thinking, like, well, but wait, there, you look, yeah. you look fine. And obviously, it, it's, yeah, it's been a turn of events. Yeah, yeah, like, because 2014, I had the op for the machine that I yeah. showed you already, and like that took the recovery for that process took about a year, 18 right. months. Uh, but it gave me a much better value of life. That shortness of breath left. I could walk a little further. I couldn't still do inclines. I couldn't right. go on a bike. Couldn't sw- could, nah, can I can't swim. Now? I can't. And oh, then can't I couldn't, this yeah. can't get wet. Like yeah. only, I can only do, because uh, it's an open wound straight to the body and that wire goes straight to the heart. You've got to be really, really Careful, yeah. like, yeah. So you, got, you can only bathe like full, you know, obviously full shower three days a week. You can do a little, you know, little sink wash. Sure. But sure. the actual full, because then I've got to do a dressing, a dressing change after every bathe. Wow. Um, and what, what's it actually doing? So the, so the batteries are powering this, but what yeah. is it actually doing to your heart? Is it, so is yeah, it... so the pump is, uh, the left side of my heart is completely dead. So they drill a hole into it. They implant a, a basically a, a suction. It's like a piece of metal that they stitch to your heart. And that then sucks the blood out of your heart through a tube. And then there's a pump then that pumps it through another tube that's then sewn onto your aorta. So, that so the then, other side of so, the heart. Yeah, so it oh, does right. the job of the left side of the heart, and then it it basically pushes the blood around your body. So, instead, so it's like an engine where you're literally Yeah, it's literally... Like, so instead of your heart pulsing like... Duh, 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 and your blood going around your body like that, yeah. this is constant. just goes... Like, so like, wheel, I don't have a pulse. Wow. So if you felt my pulse, there's no pulse because it's just constant there, flowing blood. No beat, yeah. So, mate, like, this is just, it's mind blowing. I just can't believe it. And well, the fact that you've got yeah, that yeah. on, like, I'm, you know, you've just come up to London, you know, someone, someone bumps into you on a train and, and pull, like, something. I just think of all these situations yeah, where yeah. you've got to be careful and aware now. Of course, yeah. More like, than ever. But it, you know. Well, that, you can imagine now, post op, you know, half man, half machine. I've just lost my career two years before that. I've got a loss of identity, a loss of purpose, loss of mobility. I can't swim. I can't do most of my exercises. Um, mentally started going down the slope proper, you know, right? hard. Well, like depression or just? Mm, not, I wouldn't say, I, maybe it was the start of, but the minute I went into my mind, like I went back to old habits, like the old, my old faithful that had worked my whole life before and, and that was to me, for me was alcohol. Something it, you couldn't rely yeah, on anymore. Yeah, because like it always worked for me to get out of the get out of my head to escape. You know that that was my mode of escape. But like you were saying, but you know if you have a good family and all, and I did, I had a lot, and you know at the time, um, now my ex wife, but my my then wife was, you know, the best wife you could have asked for. Really, she was you know there for me all the time, loyal, trusted, 
um, giving me all the love in the world. My kids were there. My family were visiting regularly. My friends were there. I had all of that. Yeah. And the mad thing was, after I came out of hospital, I was super grateful, bro. I was. I, I was because mm -hmm. I saw death and destruction in that hospital because I was in there for months, pre-op, literally, and I saw death on a daily basis in that in those wards, and it was. Fuck, it was hard to take, yeah. but I used to beg them, please, can you move me out these wards? Wow. And they were like, no, dude, you're in the right place. So like, when I came out, I was so grateful to be alive. I was like, oh my God. But over those next, that like 18 months of recovery, mentally, I just went down a slope. And then my, I couldn't deal with my mind because it was just that. Because like I said, loss of career, loss of identity, loss of purpose. And now I had this machine that has a shelf life. They don't can't tell me how long. Um, it, the batteries last eight hours. If I leave without my spares, I can die. And now, just to top it off, I may have another operation in the near future, and I'm on a heart transplant waiting list. So, like this, so the the feeling the, of unknown, dude. It, yeah. It, so that all of a sudden, I had a huge fear of death, a huge fear of the unknown, and the very thought of literally going into another theater for an operation would trigger me straight into a panic attack. Yeah. Did you want to die though? If you don't want to ask him, like, did you want to at, just go? Do you at know one what? point, I, when I was drinking bad. I was hoping that like I would I used to think this is how like twisted I was at the time was that if I drink you know this is the best way to go I'm going to go out singing right. that's what I used to tell myself like yeah. I'm going to go out doing things my way you know like I'm you know I'm celebrating my life I'm not going to just go out dying like you know just like some sick person you're, you're and, sitting uh, here now sorry go on yeah yeah no I was going to say you're sitting here now and You've now had to reinvent and re-trigger the way your mind is thinking. Mm. So not using alcohol as, yeah. as your escape. So what have you now used to, to, to find your escape? I mean, it's, so it's a great question. Um, I suppose that the only place I can start is starting from where it changed. And for me, that my rock bottom was when things changed. So between 2016 and 2019, was when my alcoholism was at its worst. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with all the problems I had on the heart transplant waiting list with this machine, it was not good. And uh, it huge amount of destruction uh, in my in my personal life, uh, family, you know, friends. Yeah, it was hard, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, but I inevitably on the 1st of September, 2019, I crashed my car drunk. And uh, that was a turning point. Not that incident, but what happened that afterwards that evening at that back of my, uh, with my family. I still didn't realize how bad my situation was, mm -hmm. but whilst on a family holiday a few months later, although I was still sober. So you're still in this condition? Months, yeah, yeah, this same condition. No, but but no. imagine me 21 stone then. No, I was over, massively overweight. I was drinking. Wow. I was smoking fags. I was in... My head was not in a good place, right? And um, whilst on a family holiday, my relationship at this point is in tatters. My kids have been through things that children shouldn't have to you know, in, endure. Mm -hmm. And then um, my best friend who I went to visit from school um, in Mauritius, he had, um, I went to visit him and then my, my ex told all about all the things I was up to. And him with a couple of my other best friends from school, um, my dad and my half-brother all chipped in and they staged an intervention while I was on holiday and sent me to a rehab facility in Cape Town. Wow. And um, 
That's amazing. I was on a family holiday in like visiting my mate, and obviously, um, well, they all turned up. Or they all just no, they they sent me. Like yeah. they, my kids and my and my ex flew home to Wales, and my kids were, you know, it was not a nice time for them. And then I had to fly to a rehab center in Cape Town. Um, like I was, I I didn't think I I said to them, I'm going to be there for two three days. And, and then I'll be home. Have you got a? I'm really interested in this. Have you got to agree to go to these rehab centers? Yeah, or, yeah. Or? You, they, you can't go. They don't go there and lock you know lock yeah. you in. Because because it's something happened with my family member, and I was like, you just got to put him in a rehab now. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But he's, they've <laughs> got they've got to want to go. You can't yeah. force them. You, no, they've got to want to yeah, go there. It's, it's the it's probably the worst thing about addiction is that uh, you unless the person wants to change. Yeah. There's no one on earth that. Can so change. did you did you say yes straight away or did you go I, no? I like, and then because of the pressure you? that was put on top of me and my and my ex is like she said we're we're finished but if you want to have any chance of this marriage continuing and it sounds like the way it was organized with your friends and stuff you know yeah, when enough like, people like, all like yeah when enough people like that going. care about you like, then right, you should listen yeah exactly so yeah. i was like right i'm gonna just go i'm gonna just go for a few days because they're like you're going for a month and i was like listen there's no way i'm going for a month mm-hmm. they're like no you're gonna go for a month i said okay we'll see are you gonna you watch i'm gonna go in there they're going to tell me I own, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spend a week and I'll go home. That's genuinely how deluded I was and yeah. how, in how much denial I was in. Because um, literally the minute I walked through those doors, it was just like, bang. It was like my walls just came down and I just crumbled into a complete mess. Because I the first thing that I can recall was there was a recovered assistant, or they call them RAs, but it's basically a recovered addict that works in the, in the center. Right. And um, was it posh and nice, or was it? A bit, it was just a house, yeah. mate. It was the house in Komiki in Cape Town, right. um, with a whole bunch of addicts from every walk of life you can possibly imagine, on every drug you can possibly imagine. And I just walked in there, and the first thing he said to me was, "If you want to truly recover," he said, "You have to put everything on the table. Just be completely honest." And it was the best advice anyone ever gave me because yeah. I just went in there and I thought, you know what? Like, I'm just going to do it because I was a broken man. I was, did it help I was not empty. The, did it help as well not knowing the people you could go, do you know what? These people don't know me. I can be, I can just tell the, them, I can I tell them everything. It definitely helped. Yeah. But like that, that intensive one, one-to-one and group therapy environment and being vulnerable and honest for the first time in my adult life, it really, it was just really hard. It do, just, yeah. it was so unusual. Yeah. But like so, like releasing and so life changing, transformative. Like yeah. it was just that weight was left, mate. It was unreal. So there was so many things we had to do. We we did equine therapy, which was incredible. Um, What's equine? We we did therapy, therapy with the horses. Okay, with wow. all the with all the addicts. I've heard about that. It's supposed to be amazing. Yeah, wow. we like with the horses are supposed to be yeah, really great. Dude, it was yeah. inc- mate. They could feel your energies. Like, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. Really well, yeah. And we just had to do a task. Get there was like six, 12, 13 horses. And all we had to do between like twenty addicts was just get one horse to jump over two tires and a piece of wood. Gotcha. Okay. Bad. It was so bad. <laughs> You're connected with this horse. Right? It's, it's but, and they gave us a set of rules. And like addicts being addicts, first thing we don't ask for help. So the teacher's like, "You can ask me how to help you." Yeah. And then we're like, "Okay." And then it's just a pro. It was mad, mate. It was so so amazing, but it, it was such a phenomenal experience that when I left, it, I had some sort of awakening. I wasn't sure what 
Wow. What happened? And it was a month. You did say that for a month. 28 days. I left there, but I was so I was so scared to return home because I was like, oh my God, I've got to go back to the same people, the same places, the same things. You might that, go to the that same I, room. That, that I left when my life was a dog show. So, you, so and, was, was there a sense that you didn't want to leave? Like, no, I never really got to that point because I needed to go home and sort shit out. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I, I wanted, or you were pumped to go right. Yeah. You know what? I'm in a place now where I can go and yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I thought you know I got another chance here to try and, but I was determined to never ever ever feel the way I felt in there. I was empty. I was numb. I was just. I remember just the vulnerability making me cry. And um, it was just a very very powerful experience. I suppose it, you owe a lot to the person or the friends that you were having when you were you know, going downhill and them telling your wife at the time of, of your, you know, of your behavior. Mm. Uh, but in hindsight, you, you owe them your, your life to a certain extent because they Absolutely. pointed the rest of your family and friends in the right direction for you to get the help that you needed at the, at the exact time. Yeah. Otherwise you probably would have, you know, mate, I mean, how I didn't die in those three years when I was drinking. Yeah. Cause I would drink until I blacked out, mate. I wake up in hospital beds police cells, yeah. taxis, you'd have kill, you cars. You'd have ended up killing yourself. People you would, would have find yourself. me with my batteries would be beeping. And I'd ring my wife three, four in the morning. They'd be like, listen, we found Risha. We can't wake him up. How do we f- change his batteries? You know? This, it was almost like you gave up. It was up. horrendous, bro. It was that's, horrendous. That's it. That's just... So, yeah. It is a miracle. It is a miracle, genuinely. Yeah. So, like, the, and then it, but it gave me purpose. Mm. So, like, when I left the house, because I lost my identity, lost my purpose, and that's what it made me do. It made me re- reevaluate. And the most important question it led to in that reevaluation was to ask myself a fundamental question. And that was, who am I? Wow. Because I didn't know. Mm. I genuinely had no fucking idea who I was. And then I was like, all those marks I'd fitted on throughout my life in every environment, and it all led back to fear for me. Because when I looked in my life, it all came from an early, early experiences of rejection of confrontation and from that I had built walls and coping mechanisms to how to be accepted to, in the world. To hiding that. Yeah. From to hiding so, my fears. It's such a sort That's of simplistic using, question, who are you? But 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 such a difficult question to answer as well. So difficult. Who who would you say you are now? Like right now, this moment. I I'm a very grateful man who's been through what I now believe to be absolutely necessary process to bring me into the space where I am today. Yeah. Like I am so grateful for all my heart attacks and for um, all those experiences because that suffering has brought me to this place. You think it's made you the best person that you, you, it's been an amazing teacher. Yeah. You know, I've had some blessings with um, friends, my ex-wife, my current partner, uh, a lot of good people in my life have mm. helped me and, and everyone's helped me. Even the people that weren't helpful mm. were, were also teachers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they, their teachings mm-hmm. were blessings too. And, um, but fundamentally is when I started to look after m- myself and find ways to deal with, with my past, because uh, it also started to lead me to a question that I wanted to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. who am I? Where, where are we from? Like we've been told and spoon fed and conditioned and programmed for our whole lives. But actually I want to know the 
truth yeah yeah and that led me on a on a on a journey that's, yeah this yeah. crazy journey that's and like then, the man and machine in you that's weird <laughs> yeah, exactly, huh? right? that's like the man and machine side of you like wow like there's there's yeah. there's two sort of different dimensions to that yeah. and the I, I think you know it's such a sim simplistic thing even what we're doing here now the power of conversation is becoming Amazing. more and more um important and you know the reason why yeah. We set this. I, I set this up selfishly with Jay and James just to go. Look, I want to learn about different people. I want to know people's experiences because those experiences that, that those people share with us are going to help yeah. me understand things better. And, and it's just crazy. The, the it's so like especially as I think as men, it's so hard even now. Like you know, it's hard to just sit here and talk openly and be like, "Fuck!" Like I'm talking about something that. I, w I wasn't always comfortable talking about it and now yeah. I am and it's helping me and I've got this appreciation of life and it's like it's such a that's it we we share that we share that where we feel that we've had some hardships in our life but then we then open up to someone else like yourself and, and some other guests that we've had on from and hearing them their adversaries that they've that you realize they've you realize how lucky you are how lucky yeah. you are yeah, yeah. and uh, it's it's just amazing how you're still here and it's 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 amazing to hear the experience that you've gone through the the journey and now in the right mindset you know yeah. i think that's just and do you think that's helping like with your side now do you think yeah. you know i've i've seen a couple of your instagram stuff now and i can see that you're, you're doing exactly what i did where you're like hey i'm i'm making myself talk about this now even though it's a bit new yeah. and a bit like oh, but it's helpful yeah. and even like podcasts and stuff and you know, i've seen another podcast you've done as well where you, you've open, opened up how how like how important do you think those kind of mediums of talking now you know are helpful and, and you know you can maybe put it particularly to men if, if we we have egos and we're, mm. we feel too strong to talk about it you said it yourself you, yeah. didn't, you didn't want your you know it's crazy what you said you said you didn't even want your mates to see, to see you, you having a heart attack in the gym like that's yeah, yeah. you know pride the, bro pride that the, you know another person would be running for help being like you're know, grabbing everyone look i'm i'm dying yeah. so like what how important do you think it is for, for you to keep telling your story you know speaking to people and other people as well sharing their story i think more and more what i'm learning is i just to to be me like i, I sharing my story is medicine for me mm -hmm. but it's also medicine for other people because by being vulnerable by being honest you know by admitting our, our wrongs, but also owning them mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, seeing that change is possible, you know, because sometimes it can be overwhelming because you look at the state of your life, you understand that, you know, you weren't conscious, you weren't authentic. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you found yourself that you've been driven by ego for so long that you've lost your way. You don't know who you are anymore. Yeah. You've got no value system. You have no integrity, no morals. And this is what the problem be, ends up being. You don't know who you are. Like we, we, talk, you we just, about. you're lost. Yeah. You don't even know what you like anymore. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, you're probably going around in cycles of, of doing mistakes that you hate and regret mm -hmm. and you beat yourself up for. Yeah. So, and this is why people get stuck in it because it's a pain cycle, emotional, mental, physical. I, I'm, I'm interested to, to understand now that this is obviously, you know, had a massive, massive, uh, change in, in your life and, and yeah. influence you in a, a specific way. How is how is now your daily regime 
your how is that impacting just your your daily walk to the local shop for example or yeah. getting on a train or doing some exercise like how do you keep keep fit how do you keep mentally strong what's uh, what's the impact it has on your life now mate it was just it's hard to put um to understand and to put words on where the, where the place where I am today because the place that I was in three and a half years ago which is a completely different man is yeah. like chalk and cheese and a lot of people will watch what I do my content and the way that my life has gone mm. and they'll be like oh my god you know he's lost the plot he's mm. found God mm. and all these types of um, yeah. you know but people what people are scared of what they don't understand yeah but the, the way I feel now the love and the reverence I have for everything, everyone, every moment, every second is a feeling that surpasses anything that I had did in my career, in my life up until, you know, and it, it gets, every time you don't think it can get better, it does because it's a constant. Do you know what? That's evolving. amazing to hear. You're, you're basically rewarding yourself uh, and you're getting satisfaction from those little rewards that you're giving for, to yourself for just the simple things in life yeah, of just, yeah, all the time. But it's hard. That's Obviously life's amazing. hard, right? Because it's, it's always coming at you. Yeah. And calm is coming back at you like 100, every yeah. day. <laughs> so it's never easy, right? But having a process, having a routine in place is so helpful for me. And for me, like the basics, the fundamentals of, of my daily routine, which has been, um, and listen, I'm no saint. It's not like I am absolutely regimented. I do this seven days a week, every, every week for the last three and a half years, but the majority of the time I have, and 19, 100% of the time if I do it, my day, my week, my life is better. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's journaling, um, meditating. I, more recently, I do breath work too. Mm -hmm. um, I walk every day, non-negotiable, even if it's 20, 30, 40 minutes, mm -hmm. do it. Do you, do you find yourself getting out of breath? Quite easily at, at the it, forty minute it mark. It depends. Or? It just depends. It yeah. depends how I am, where I am. How you feeling? Yeah. yeah, but like if you look at where I am, walking so special. You, you know, wow. they say there's, there's this. I think Best. Ricky Gervais or someone said this. Like, if 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 you if you come across anyone who's just going for a walk, they they are happy people. <laughs> yeah, they're, even they're just, just walking they're in happy. nature. Yeah, in yeah. nature, being being amongst them um, like animals Absolutely. and oh, I love just that. seeing yeah. like yeah, I love that. Do you know what um you said? It's quite interesting. I think you and and you know hopefully you don't mind me saying this, but it. It sounds like that you, the person you were before, mm. was maybe not, um, you know that maybe you were maybe you were not that authentic, and maybe you were you know we all do this, we do this mm. on social media, we you know we we, we portray we portray this image, and mm. everything's great and everything's grand, and of course. you know whether you're actor or rugby player, whatever it may be, and and your change and what happened to your life seemed like it just made you be nothing but real and authentic. And now it's like you 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 want the whole real me. That's what you're gonna get. And it seems like that you're um, aware of that. It seems like you're respectful for that, and and you're like it's the best version of you. Like you said, you know, yeah. no one wants to see that 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 other yeah. version because then you don't also care about other people's opinions. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not living a yeah. lie, and you can live your life. Yeah. So it's yeah. just aligning with my values was important, and not to say I didn't have fun before. Right? Yeah, yeah. I did, and I always had a good heart. Undeniable, mm. right? <laughs> we all do. We all. Excuse we the all, pun. Yeah, yeah <laughs> literally. <laughs> Sorry. 
You used to have a good one. You're like, oh, <laughs> that's yeah. fucking brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah. You, like, well, you, you do. Know, cause it's still, <laughs> you've it's got good art, mate, because it's still fucking here. It's still going, it's yeah, still, somehow. It's still being pumped around. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, I mean, like, you know, I was a good kid. Yeah. Good times in my yeah. adult journey. Yeah. Absolutely. You've got to go through it. It's like... um. Uh, what, so what's 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 next with that? What what's like? Have you got a, a, a at some point? Is, have you got to have a heart transplant or like? A, is that with you for the rest of your life? Like yeah. what's um? Yeah. Are there, so, are there any updates on to this kind of battery powered option? Because they don't know if it's going to continue like that and how it's going to affect you. So and especially this yeah. cycle of of the way your blood is pumping. So yeah, like Matt said, what's kind of Because it, it's mad, but it looks a bit, if you don't mind me saying, it looks like you've got like a couple of like Nokia 3310s in there. You know, it's like, <laughs> the, it, the, it's yeah, proper, the, yeah. it's a, when you said yeah. I've got batteries, I thought, okay, he's just going to have like a little, like, yeah. you know, a little a little thing there yeah. that's stuck to him in a, you in a really clear way. You would have hoped they'd moved their tech on a bit by now. Yeah. It, well, I, you yeah. know, it's, it's doing something very important yeah. and, and special, but like, what's, what's next, what, what's the like, you know, What's next for you, and then maybe like the, the the future in terms of um, you know, where the technology is going? Because at some point that's gonna, you know. Yeah. So I mean, this is where I am now. So basically, the longest someone survived in the UK with this model of machine is eleven years. So in September I'll be on mine, and um, I've been <laughs> I've been on and off the heart transplant list for eight years. Right. Like when my mental health was bad and my and my my alcoholism was bad. I came off it for a few years and then, but solidly I've been on there for the last like almost four years. Mm-hmm. And in that time I haven't had, I had one phone call for a transplant where I drove up to, I literally got in the car to drive and within half an hour of being in the car, they ran me back and said, the guy's you know, passed away. Um, it's, we're not going to have time to get you up here, prep and get the heart. So what actually happens? You've got, so, you got to find someone with a similar yeah. know, heart you know, mechanics, I suppose. And then that, that person has, has got to die for you to get it. Like, yeah, what, what so it's all, but they've I mean, got to keep that heart alive. Like they've got yeah. to have it working. In, in, in yeah. A way. So, I mean, so most of the time it comes from um, people that have had accidents or big, you know, head traumas, car crashes, mm. stuff like that. Oh, right. Okay. So, it's not because yeah. the, the, they are brain dead effectively. Yeah. Not But Then they have to wait for the, or, you know, the authorization to turn the machine off from the family. Right. Okay. So this is, but it's a big problem, right, in the UK right now, is we just don't have enough uh, organ donors. Right. Even though we've done this opt out in Wales, we've been on the opt out scheme. So you actually everyone's a donor until you opt out. Okay. Right. Uh, since 2017. That's oh, that's okay. good. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. actually one of the uh, the main people who helped. Uh, I did a talk in the Senate, stuff Amazing. like that. Wow. But it, we've only actually had a seven percent increase in in, con- in in consent. Yeah. Since then. Wow. It's terrible uptake, right? Because it still lies with the next of kin. Mm-hmm. Like you never want to be in a situation, obviously, right? When your child or friend or daughter or son has it that day, that moment comes where a doctor says, "Do you want me to switch the machine off?" Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it's just... in the, in that instant, because they need those organs like as soon as, as possible. As soon as possible, yeah. So like that's they, that, it's a ready. really insensitive topic to go into. Yeah. Pre your loved one not and it's crazy needed. they don't realize that so someone then, like you but then even be, though that person's wish may have been to be a donor still now with the, most of the transplants are being refused because the next of kin uh, are, are are not given the authorization wow they, they definitely so okay that's good they the, need you, to be aware yeah like that's how good you're talking can, about that because the, the, it, the awareness it needs, needs to be awareness raised. because there's not enough education on yeah. it we're not enough um we're not doing it in schools I mean, 
would you like to be the ambassador for to to bring that awareness and and go and maybe do a like yeah. some sort of tour? You've you can talk from to. from your experience, yeah, and then go around and and sort of educate people on next of kin making these massive decisions, yeah. and they think, okay, my let's say my a wife husband's um, having a a real bad problem with his heart, he or they has a car crash or something. Mm. Um, his heart can still be used for someone else. Just making people aware. I think think you can save nine lives. I think each person, roughly. um, Have you looked at going anywhere else? Yeah, so that's that's where I am now. So I've been on the list nine years almost. Is it more more like a global list you could go on in a weird way? No, it's not. Unfortunately not. not. And then wherever you go is private. So like I looked at the States. uh, It was like half a million quid. And you've got to be jabbed and... You know, I, I'm not jabbed, and I, I won't be getting jabbed anytime soon. So, good. Um, so I won't be going there. So then my other option was South Africa. So yeah, you know, going back to <laughs> where I was, <laughs> where I, which is a very I've basically given myself until September. Yeah. To see if I get another phone call, and if I don't, I'm going to make that trip back to. We've, SA we've been jump we've, on that we've, list. we've had some like doctors on and and different people and. You know, there's a couple of countries out there in the world maybe you should look at that, that are really at the forefront of health now. Yeah. Colombia apparently is like wow. top. Mexico's good. Mexico. Um, at least not bad now. Yeah, Singapore. Um, you know, so Turkey. So, mm. you know. The, I am fundraising. Are you? Yeah. Okay. I've got a... That's good. What's the, so what's so is that is that the rough figure? You you need to yeah, raise so half I mean, a million to I, get... No, I mean, no, no, I, I, we've set a new target because America's out of the not other question it's just not they're not really changing mm-hmm. those rules to fly there yeah so i think we've had a change of mind i'm still going to do this on my just given page yeah but i think we're going to move to sa i've got we currently fundraise about 150k wow so i, I we get, we reckon it's going to be about 250 300 okay um by september if i haven't had a call from the from the hospital here yeah i'm going to go and ju- hopefully be allowed to jump on south africa's because i'm actually still a citizen yeah mm-hmm. that should be fine to well, do. we'll, we'll so, definitely donate man and if any way we can help yeah. like it, that'd be great if you oh, got the course. um have you noticed now you can put a fundraiser page on your instagram where people can just click yeah, it's in my highlights on my insta so nice the, yeah so it's on the highlights i saw this the other day because i donated to turkey and um it was my niece that actually had it yeah. on your main profile now you have your just where your bio is mm. you can just click okay and it's a fundraiser Oh, and cool. yeah. like turkey's an example you just click. um Thanks, i tried doing it but i didn't i couldn't figure out how to do it but there's a proper like you know yeah, tab pay, a button there. Yeah. set up yeah. Yeah. yeah um that's mate that's incredible so what um it's it's there's like what what like so you don't even know if that's gonna last 11 years but can't they just replace that with saying, oh, uh, what's no, the- like i've got a humongous amount of scar tissue under my sternum so even my next operation albeit they'd a have to get plant. through that like God. the easiest thing is just to rip everything out because to get to it and try and keep it in it like the last operation was i think 12 hours it took to get oh to my, my heart God. like to get the wow. pump in because they took so long to get through the scar tissue mate i'm gonna it's just like a mesh like, it's let, like let, a spider let, let me let me let me say this back this is incredible like so you're you know you're the way you are with life now is incredible and yet you've mm. still you know You've still got this. It's not stress because you've you've trained yourself mm. now to be happy and, and enjoy and yeah. love life. But you're eight years in. You've got a, a device on you that expires. You know, 
or, or, or the last the last time it expires is like 11 years which is in three years time oh, that's, and yeah, you need that's a replacement longest, that's the longest, that's so the longest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and it's like that's crazy and Didn't, if that doesn't if, if that doesn't happen or you don't find a heart you're basically you're basically gone yeah it's like it's just crazy to think about it this situation was just as simple as this you know i had to continue my emotional mental and physical suffering mm-hmm. or i had to accept the place i was in yeah my life situation uh, which took me a long time to accept yeah but and dragged myself and a lot of people through a lot of that suffering but then when i got through it and ex- finally accepted the place i was in it's i surrendered yeah and mm-hmm. that, uh, that process of surrender allowed me to be where i am today the best person yeah that's and amazing that's, so you that surrender hope. is it, it brought me back to presence and that is what I try to do now that keeps me in this place of peace, you know, and gratitude. That's because, amazing, man. To have that yeah. mentality now and, and everything you've been through, it's um, sheer strength. It's incredible, man, to see like yeah. to see and feel your your energy and your light. Like it's it's Thank yeah, you, it's really good, man. And look, you know, we'll we'll have like like I said, if um if there's any way that we can help, we'll we'll you know, we'll we will absolutely. Um yeah. I suppose you've got an amazing support system around you now, uh, family, yeah. friends and that, you know, have always I'm, been there, stuck by you. Yeah, I've got an amazing partner. Um she's uh she is a gift. So she's a strong queen that helps me out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, he was being I think you're being careful a, what you're gonna say there. Yeah, no, she is she's a they she's say like a, a, she's you a know, strong queen. A really good woman by your side is like is I think it was um I think Bill Gates or some some crazy billionaire said this like you know stop chasing after girls just find one amazing woman by your side and they will be the best thing that you know they will get they will give you and get you everything that you ever want you know with business and life yeah. and everything and it's, oh, yeah. um, she definitely helps me with that as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's amazing but yeah I mean obviously as well I'm just gonna sneak it in there um or if, if any of my link catch me on LinkedIn or Instagram oh yeah by all means yeah um, let's, let's promote. I think we got Adam in there. Will you add him in there at the end? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, we were going to cut reels together and, and my and, website and to close as well. It. Yeah. www. Yeah. How can people real, find you? Where where where, where are you most active on? Uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah, I'd probably yeah both of them. Yeah, and what's your what's your what's your what's your you know if people are searching for you is it just Reese Thomas on Instagram? Yeah, uh, Reese underscore Thomas thirty three. And the and the web page you were just about to get. Yeah, www.realreesthomas.com. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, yeah. man, I just I'm blown away. Yeah. Honestly, your story. I mean, Thank we talked you, about it the other day on the phone, but I said let's save it because it was just just blowing my mind. That's crazy, <laughs> yeah. man. Thank you so much. For yeah, cheers, brother. Really it's been an absolute yeah. pleasure. Thanks, Thanks Reese. Yeah, my pleasure. Amazing.